Well, good evening. It's a real privilege for me to just been asked to bring some New Year thoughts, just a few, uh, as we start this new year, this new decade. And um, I knew that a couple of testimonies were going to be given, and I don't know why, but my mind went to Andrew the Apostle, and I was kind of wondering, what would his testimony be? I mean, we could write a book about his brother, couldn't we, Peter? We know so much about him, what he's done, what he's said, where he went, all his adventures, but his brother Andrew seems to be a bit in the shadows. And uh, I just started wondering what his testimony would be. We don't know much about him. We know that he was given the greatest name that ever could be given to anyone. And that that name means manly. Now, I think it's a miracle how my mother knew all those years ago that that would be an appropriate name for me. But beyond that, what do we know about the Apostle Andrew? And I put the the flag, which you might think is the flag of Scotland. Actually, it's the flag of St. Andrew. Uh, It's uh, part of the Union flag, of course. And uh, it depicts a cross uh, because historical tradition says that Andrew the Apostle he too was crucified for his faith. But beyond that, we don't know a great deal. Now I'm going to press a button. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, that's not any good, is it? Perhaps, Chris, could you just put the next one up? That's fine. That's great. So when we first find... uh, I'll just give you a nod, Chris, when we want them changed. Thanks. When we first find Andrew, we find that he is a follower of John the Baptist. And I've got a little verse there, all my verses, because I'm going around about a bit tonight. um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to read them with me, but only on the screen. But I've used this verse from the authorised version, uh, so forgive the old-fashioned language, but it's still perfectly understandable. But the authorised version just paints a little bit of a picture which, for me, was more helpful with what I wanted to say. So we find in John chapter 1, 35 to 40, these words. Again the next day, after John the Baptist stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked... John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And the reason that I use these old-fashioned words is because it helps to paint a picture of what's happening. A new era is beginning. I want you just to notice, and this is brought out in the authorised version, more than more modern versions, we find John has done his walking. John is now standing still. And Jesus is walking. And now Andrew is walking with Jesus. And I just thought that might be a challenge for us as we, as we start a new decade, just to ask ourselves the question... Am I walking still with Jesus or am I standing still? It's so easy to do sometimes. Things happen in life. And maybe as we get older, we think, well, we've done enough and we want to leave it to other people. And so that was my first challenge, really, just to say to us as a church, are we walking still with Jesus? You might say, well, what does that mean? And I guess what's in my mind is that Are the steps that we take in life deliberate steps to help us walk with Jesus by what we do, by where we go, 
by what we read, by how we spend our time, by who we meet with. All these things that make up the minutes of all of our lives, can we say, yes, my determination is still there to walk with Jesus? And there's one other point I just wanted to make from this verse, and that is that Andrew often seems to be defined by his brother. This isn't the only verse that describes Andrew as Simon Peter's brother. And it just occurs to me that it appears that Andrew is in the shadow of his brother. I know what that means, by the way. I've got an older brother, too. Very successful guy. But, again, a challenge to us. Do we feel that we are in the shadow of others? Now, I think as we go on tonight, I believe that Andrew never thought like that. But there is a tendency... We look around, this, this church, God has blessed this church with so many folk, who, and so many of them have got su- such deep commitment or, or such obvious talents. A- and there can be a danger for, for us to think that we're in their shadows, that there's other people who can always do things better than we can do. A- and so we kind of retreat into the shadows. Well, let us encourage one another tonight that as we face this new decade, that's not going to be a description of us. Let us ensure that we understand, like Andrew understood, that we are so precious in the hands of God and that he has plans for each one of us that has come out of the shadows uh, in this new decade. Um, Thanks, Chris. Now, when we look at the Bible, there are hardly, there's a few general mentions of Andrew. When I say general, I mean that when Jesus chose the 12 apostles, obviously Andrew is listed. And in that context, he's often in a list with other disciples. And I've just picked out one here as an example. We find it in Mark 13, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him, that's asked Jesus, privately. Now, to us tonight, it doesn't matter what he's asking. That's not the point I want to make. I mean, I'm not trying to hide it. He was actually asking about the temple and the future of the temple. But it was just this thing about, oh, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful opportunity that Andrew and others had just to spend private times with Jesus. And again, maybe that's a challenge for us as we face this new decade. Of course it's right that we have corporate worship. Of course it's right that we have corporate prayer. When we come together and we do things together, but these times with Jesus, these private times with Jesus, they're a most precious thing. Uh, And Andrew was able to have those precious times and wanting to know more. It it became a challenge to me. I, I mean, I don't, I've been a Christian so many years And uh, I've had the privilege of putting together talks for, I mean, it must be hundreds of talks by, by now. And yet still in my heart, there's a desire to learn more, to know more, to come to Jesus and to ask him questions still. And it's one of those paradoxes in life you'll find. And people who study understand this, that the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. And Jesus will take us as deep as we are prepared to go with him. So may those, may those times with Jesus be a a precious, a precious thing. There's one thing I learned this year. Um, 
we're also encouraged, and maybe this is a good time to, for me to encourage as well, uh, to become members of home groups. And home groups are perfect opportunities to learn more of Jesus in, in a safe environment, just amongst a few friends. And uh, one of the things that I learned, and that's been particularly poignant for me this, this last year, is about prayer. When we go to Genesis, we find, and we all know the story, how Jacob wrestled with God in prayer, wrestled with God. And at the end of wrestling with God, he was blessed. And I don't know about you, but I've often wondered, well, what did that, what did that wrestling look like? How do we wrestle with God? Uh, and in, it was in a home group environment that I came across the answer. And the answer, funnily enough, is found in Hosea, chapter 12 and verse 4. The prophet Hosea, many years later, said that Jacob wrestled with God with tears and with petitions. Another version says that he pleaded with, he made pleas and he wept before God. And again, that spoke to me, how that our private times with Jesus maybe ought to be more emotional than they are. And when we're facing things like Stephen's talked about already, real difficulties in life, then we wrestle with God with tears and petitions. It's wonderful that we have a God who allows us to, to be like that in our private times with him. So we've got a few general mentions, but there are only three mentions uh, of Andrew when the spotlight is on him very specifically. And interestingly, in each of those instances, when the light is turned onto Andrew, we find him bringing people to Jesus. And this is the first one. So John 1, 41 and 42, the first thing, so we're going back, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, he said to his disciples, his followers, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and Andrew follows him and it, and it says then the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. This is the verse that convinces me that Andrew did not feel in the shadow of his brother. Because if he did, he wouldn't have done that, would he? If he, if he felt that all was the limelight goes to his older brother, he would have kind of said, at last, I've got something he hasn't got. And he might have been a bit proud. He knew who the Messiah was. Peter didn't. But there's nothing like that uh, in, in Andrew's makeup. The very first thing he wanted to do was to ensure that his brother also met with the Messiah. And maybe that's a challenge for us. Maybe as we face this new year, this new decade, we might have a renewed determination to bring people in our own families to God. I know that sometimes it hurts so much when we think about family when we think about those who are family, who we know need to know the Saviour, well, maybe in those private times with Jesus this coming year and this coming decade, we might have that renewed determination to do what Andrew did and to, to bring those of our family to the Lord. So, one of the things that Andrew could say in his testimony was, I brought Peter. And that, in a way doesn't seem to stack up with what Peter could have said. 
Peter could have said, because we read it in the Acts of the Apostles, I spoke at one meeting and I brought 3,000 people to the Lord. I know they wouldn't talk in that way. But we, we kind of look at one and look at the other and say how much more important one is than the other. But just think what history would have been like. Just think if Peter had not been brought in the first place. I sometimes quote uh, the guy, Mordecai Ham, uh, in this context. He's probably a guy that you've never heard of. Maybe you have. Mordecai Ham was an evangelist, went around preaching, trying to share Jesus with people. I don't know how successful he was, but I know one man that Mordecai brought to God, and that was Billy Graham. Just think of that. Think how that one instance, that one opportunity that Mordecai Ham took, think how God blessed Billy Graham and used him to bring hundreds, thousands to Jesus. Don't ever think that what we do doesn't mean anything. Don't look at it as if it's, as if it's trivial. So that was the first mention. He brought uh, Peter to Jesus. Then we find him bringing someone else. And now the context is, remember that day when the hillside was crowded with thousands of people and they had flocked because they wanted to hear Jesus and Jesus had taught them and then Jesus stunned his disciples by saying to them, uh, amidst these thousands of people, he said to his disciples, you give them something to eat. And they were astonished and they didn't know what to do. Uh, And Jesus said, we find in one of the Gospels, it says, find out what you have. Uh, And so they began to look. But it was Andrew, we're told, who spoke up and brought to Jesus a young lad. And a young lad who seemed to have a packed lunch. And he says to Jesus, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But then he asks the question, but how far will they go among so many? And, and that, again, I think holds a lesson for us. We sometimes look at what we have to offer to Jesus. And like those five small loaves and the two small fish, we feel that it's so inadequate, that it's so trivial. What could God possibly do with the triviality of things that we can offer? Of course, Andrew, on that day, had the answer shown to him. Those, that little stuff, that, the, the, the little amount of stuff that he had brought, that question that he had had, what can God do with this? He's asking himself. Well, God showed him what he could do. And we read that of those 5,000 men and all the families, it says every one of them was satisfied. They didn't just have a, a nibble, didn't just have a little bite. They were completely satisfied. And more than that, after they had gone home, we find the apostles, including Andrew, picking up the fragments. And each of those disciples were left with a basket full of fish and bread. And that's another spiritual principle. The feeders in God's service are always fed. When you hear testimonies of people who seem to have done great things for the Lord, you'll hear them always. Invariably they say, but you know what? I got back more than I ever gave. From God I received more than ever that I had given. And Andrew learnt that lesson on that day when he brought that lad. And so maybe we might question like Andrew, what, what can God do with what we can bring? Well, learn from Andrew. 
God can do amazing things with what we think are maybe meaningless, trivial offerings. Uh, thanks, Chris. And so the last time, the, the third example, the third time the scriptures point to Jesus, uh, point to Andrew bringing people to Jesus, we find it in John chapter 12. And it says, Now there were some Greeks, and they came to Philip, another one of the disciples, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. I guess that takes a lot of us back to the old Oak Hall Church, doesn't it? And the text that was on the wall. We would see Jesus. I got it right, didn't I? That did. That was in Oak Hall, wasn't it? I've <laughs> been to so many churches, I suddenly thought it might be another one. Across the top, yeah, that text was there for so many years. We would see Jesus. Well, it was Greeks who had that passion, who had that desire, who wanted to come to Jesus, and they came to a disciple, and that disciple, Philip, apparently didn't know what to do. And so Philip went to Andrew, and Andrew, in turn with Philip, took them to Jesus. And this, in that culture, at that time, was a very big thing. The Jews had been brought up with the absolute belief that God of heaven was their God only. They wouldn't even go into the houses of people who were not Jews. They were, they were deemed to be unclean, deemed to be defiled. And yet here we've got Andrew stepping out in faith. He doesn't know all the answers, but he knows the answer is in Jesus. And so he brings these people the Greeks, to Jesus. And maybe as we think about the world situation that surrounds us, maybe we need to lift our horizons a bit and bring to God those folk from other lands. Or maybe we need to question our own faith. If there are people or groups of people who somehow our faith can't grasp, that any, there's no way that these folk can be blessed of God. There's no way that God can save these people. Let's learn from Andrew and lift our horizons and bring them to Jesus anyway for amazing things to happen. So those are my uh, few thoughts. I, I, I hope they're a blessing. Um, Chris, if you could just put up the last slide, please. Um, that just summarises those thoughts that we've had from the scriptures today uh, centred on Andrew. As we face this new decade, let's make sure that we're not standing still but that we are still walking with Jesus. And let us come out from the shadows, if in, indeed it's in the shadows we, we, we think we are. Out from the shadows of others. God doesn't see us in the shadows. God sees us as precious people. He has plans for us, for each one of us. Let us enjoy the privilege of those private times with Jesus. Sometimes we've got such big questions to bring. Sometimes there are things going on in life and we just don't understand. Let us cherish those private times that we can have with Jesus. And may we realize, just as they did on that hillside amongst those thousands and thousands of people, that a little is a lot when we serve the Master. Don't think that what we have is trivial. Don't think that what we have to offer is meaningless. Think what God can do with what seems to be just a little. And may we, like Andrew, have this renewed desire to bring people to Jesus. You know, Oak Hall, that's what it's all about, isn't it? We, we, we have a newsletter every month, and every month it's stacked full of events. Different people doing different things all over the place, but they all have the common purpose of bringing people the opportunity to meet with Jesus. May we challenge ourselves. How are we getting involved with all those opportunities that we have? And 
maybe it's our family that we bring, or maybe it's time that we lifted our horizons a bit and saw, really understood what was happening in the world in which we live. And if we've got those blind spots in our own faith where we just don't believe God can do anything in a certain situation, may we learn from Andrew bringing those Greeks to Jesus all those years ago. May we nonetheless bring folk to Jesus and believe uh, that he will work and can work. Let's pray together as we start this new year there together. Father, thank you for what seems to be the starting of a new era for us, this new decade. Thank you for bringing us to it. And many of us, I guess, realize that you've kept us from all sorts of dangers and difficulties, even to bring us to this point. And we just want to lay before you the year ahead and also to bring to you our own efforts. We pray, we just thank you that you've given us faith and we thank you that that faith is in a God who just works the most incredible miracles. And so we ask, we come to you and we pray that in our lives we might be taking those deliberate steps of faith so that we know we're walking with you, that you might help us to come from those shadows, that you might help us to bring others to Jesus, bringing to you what we have, what we can give, and realizing that in your hands or oh, what a mighty eternal work can be done. And so we commit ourselves to you as a church, but also as individual believers, and we ask for your blessing at the beginning of this new year. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Mm.